This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Hey, you know, getting information to deaf people and people with hearing loss isn't especially easy, especially during a pandemic when information is constantly changing. And our guests today, well, they know how important it is to provide the service to everybody. Today, we're going to be welcoming professional interpreter Greg Goldman and director of Office and Deaf and Hard of Hearing, Ben Wagonneck to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the world of sign language interpretations. We'll also welcome our guests just a few minutes and also to, um, but first, let's talk about all the stuff that's going on around Mississippi. We had another rough day of, of bad weather last night. Southeast Mississippi once again took it on the chin. Um, and last time I heard, I, I believe I heard that there was a, a fatality in Marion County. I know that there was severe flooding in Hattiesburg. There was a tornado that passed just to the south of there. Really rough night. And I just wanted to Tell everybody, I know our nerves are just kind of rattled. It's like we've got everything hitting us. We've got the storms hitting us. We've got, in the course, COVID-19 going on. But I think today's show is going to be one that will uplift, uplift your spirits. We've got great guests on. And I know Michelle's here, too, and she'll get everybody fired up and happy. Michelle, how are you today, my friend? <laughs> I'll get everyone fired up and happy. <laughs> that's it. That's your job. That's it right there. <laughs> no well, pressure. Well, I hope everybody's fired up and happy. It's Monday morning. <laughs> Well, and, I tell uh, you, I mean, I'm mean, not trying to throw <laughs> artificial sugar on the fire here, but it seems like, wow, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we've been doing this for about a month and a half, and it's like, I, you know, it, I, I was debating this morning, it's like, well, do I take a shower? Do I shave? <laughs> well, you, you know, know, I mean, all these work decisions you have to make. Now. That is uh, what I thought about this weekend, actually. Um, I was going, um, just got my daughter out the house. We just went riding a little bit. And I noticed a lot more cars on the highways and just a lot of people yeah. out and about. And I'm like, yeah, people are getting cabin fever. They need to get out the house more. They want to just ride. It's okay to get in your car. Um, the reservoir is now open for fishing and boating again. So um, that's a plus. Um, the governor did um, say that non-essential businesses can open back up today. It's a little scary for me. Um, just to make sure people abide by uh, what they need to do, wear masks, you know, stand six feet right. apart. And if special, I don't know what businesses will particularly open today, but just say if you go in a nail shop, FYI, for everyone who get the, gets their nails done, ladies, feet, men, if you go and get your feet done, if there's a lot of people in that place, I particularly wouldn't think you just want to go in and just go into a nail shop full of people. And especially right. if they're not wearing masks. And because uh, you you have to get really close to the person that's doing your nails and things like that, pedicures, manicures. So I don't know if they're going to open, but 
some people are waiting for them to open and people will jump in and I just don't think I'll I'll I'm gonna last a little few more weeks on that. I can do my Have own. Have you seen all the pictures of the people that have been trying to give themselves haircuts? Yes. It is hilarious. Yes. And I mean I, I gotta admit, I'm looking like something out of the seventies right now. I mean I've got my hair is getting so insane right Maybe now. people get new but, skills, you know, uh learn how to cut hair oh. during COVID nineteen and wanna go to school and become a barber. <laughs> you know, no, not getting new skills. It is ugly. I mean some of the pictures are hilarious. People are gapping their hair and they got big, you know, they've shaved their neck up too high and all kinds of crazy things. But yeah, I've, I've threatened several times. I've, I've come up to Amy. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to shave my head today. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I will self distance for at least a year from oh, you. Wow. If you shave your head. You didn't so, put the bowl look, over your I, head and, uh, <laughs> and do the bowl cut. Yeah. Yeah, no, not even a bowl cut. That's I'm talking funny. like just getting clippers like I joined the Marines or something. So yeah. it, it would be bad. But, boy, you're you're right, though. And it's, you know, it, I mean, kudos in a way for us to be able to open some businesses back because so many small business folks yeah. are suffering right now. Yeah. And it's so difficult. And if you can, you know, to where, like, you order something um, by credit card, you come, and then they have a delivery for you if they can do that. I know we had to take our dog to the vet this morning, and they were open, but they have plastic over the reception area and you you put your dog in this little cage and then they come from the other side and they grab your dog so that there's no no um you know no contact whatsoever and you're you're several feet apart away from the people there and i mean it's just we're gonna have to reopen obviously i saw where disney laid off a hundred thousand people or furloughed a hundred thousand people today without pay and you know as this continues to go we've got to figure out how do we return to quote unquote normal and still be careful about the virus because I mean, there's so many, the cases are still climbing and, and, and that's, you know, it, we can't reopen. And exactly yeah. what you said, the cases are still climbing. Uh, the death toll uh, went up. So it's not like we're out of the woods. I had to have a talk with my daughter yesterday. She wanted to go over a friend's house today. And I'm like, wait a that's minute. That's so hard. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, Jordan, I understand what you're saying. This is, we're not out, out of the woods. I'm not being pessimistic, but you need to be careful. And it's not like everyone needs to let their guards down and say, okay, it's party time. No, no, no. Number one. Number two. I do want to give a shout out to um, Pizza Check and Clinton. They really uh, were on the ball Friday. I must say the wait was long. And if anyone knows if you've ordered any food during this time, how long the waits are. But we have to give kudos to the workers, especially the servers that are running in and out of the restaurants um, in pizza at Pizza Shack. They actually came out. And if you know where Pizza Shack is located in Clinton, you park on the side of the streets. They come out and they say, a name, you know, Maria, Maria, yeah. your order's ready. And Maria could be all the way down the street or not there at all. <laughs> so we were all helping, calling out Maria, Maria, your order's here. And I mean, they were like sprint marathon, you know, running back and forth in and out the building. And so I gave them kudos. I did give them an extra tip and I told them, you know, thank you guys. They were, these were young, you know, high school girls and uh, or college students out there ripping and running and she said her feet hurt when she gets off and she has to do it all over again Saturday morning I'm like I know but this is very good that I'm seeing you guys come together and doing this you know in a orderly fashion (laughs) in a way because people were upset they're waiting right but you know you have to be patient 
You do. And I, I tell you, though, I think you really touched on something that's important. The businesses that are going to survive are the ones that are adapting. And I know we've we've eaten out several different restaurants and they've got little tents set up and you you pay ahead of time and everything else. And you just pull up and they hand you your food and you're mm-hmm. gone. So you're not making any connection. And, and I hope that that's enough of a lifeline to keep them going. You know, they did that loan deal with the federal government, the PPP p three p's and basically so small businesses can get a a loan which can turn into a grant if they don't lay off people so it's supposed to give them like two months worth of stuff after 20 percent of the applications were filled they ran out of money and so they're about to vote to see if they can get more money into it but there is a huge need right now for small businesses and but i'm just really proud you know it's so you see so many things that frustrate you and so many people that say things or they spread false stuff but you see people like what you were talking about at Pizza Shack, where they're really working hard to try to adapt. And, and kind of, I mean, we're adapting. We're sitting in them, you know. I mean, I haven't seen you since March, you know. But we're doing the radio show. And we're still managing to make things happen. And and that's the spirit of this country that I'm proud of. And, and that's where the leadership's going. And you're seeing all kinds of new different techniques going on in the medical field and so forth, too. So it's it's really encouraging to see that back up but the bottom line is and and you know when you i went to the post office on friday and there were people that i mean there was 10 of us and three of us had masks on and i don't like wearing the mask i think it's i mean i think i look weird wearing the mask it's a weird feeling but it's something i've got to get used to because i don't want to get the virus and i sure don't want to spread the virus and and so i think you know, I read a really important article. Uh, it was in the New York Times, and they talked to different, um, you know, scientists and doctors and ec- economists and everything else, and looking what the next year is going to look like. And you know, for us to get back to any kind of normal, we're going to have to take this very seriously. And um, but it's, you know, it's encouraging. And I, I definitely got the guest today. I'm really excited to have both of them on because number one, Greg Goldman, you have seen him. If you watch the, the governor's press conferences, he's the, he's the guy who's signing and he has literally become one of the breakout stars of this whole mess. And, and I'm not sure that that's totally a great thing per se, but he is great. He's very good at what he does and very passionate. And, you know, he's been doing it for a long time and I look forward to talking with him too. And, and of course, Ben Wagoneck's going to be on with us too. And Ben is um, a great story also. And so, I mean, I've just kind of fascinated. I was like, I want to hear their story. I want to find out what's going on with them and, and how they do what they do. And of course we'll find out that today, but I tell you, um, it is absolutely amazing. All the, the things that we're seeing across the country and, and the good things that are happening and all the people that are making masks and standing up and doing that too. So it's a, it's been pretty amazing. Oh, speaking of the weather, we mentioned that coming into the show on Wednesday night, we're going to have more severe weather in the state of Mississippi, particularly in central and south Mississippi. Uh, it's going to be a moderate chance. So I want you to keep weather aware for that this week and we'll get through it. It's just springtime in Mississippi, but it's just like one more thing. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break and when we return, we'll welcome our guest, director of the Office of Death and and hard of hearing, Ben Wagoneck, and also contract interpreter, Greg Goldman. So to be part of the show, hey, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Good morning. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Hey, today we're getting a behind-the-scenes look in the world of sign language interpreting where their guest, Ben Wagoneck, and also he's the director of Office of Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and, um, and also with the assistance of staff member Amy Ainsworth, who will be doing some signing so that he can hear what we're saying, and that's pretty cool. And also contract interpreter Greg Goldman will be joining us as well. Well, gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you both doing today? I'm doing good. How are y'all today? Doing great. Hey, Greg, I just want to let you know that I'm going to get you a copy of that cartoon I put you in the other day. And uh, I hope you don't mind being put in the cartoon because I think I may add you in several other times because you've just kind of become iconic. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I would love to have one. But yeah, you can use me as much as you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll make you pretty. Don't worry. We'll make everything good. But I, I love that. I, I got a note saying that you wanted to get a copy of it. And so we will make that happen. So um, I I really do appreciate y'all taking the time because I think that, I mean, what y'all do is so important and so interesting, too. And and Ben, I think we'll just go ahead and get started with you and talk a little bit about yourself, because you've got a pretty interesting story about how you became part of the this organization, how you made it down here to Mississippi. Tell us a little bit about your, how you grew up. First of all, I want to say thank you for having us on your show today. Thank you so much, Marshall. How I arrived here in Mississippi um First of all, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I moved here for a job opportunity as a VR counselor for the deaf. I worked in Starkville and Olive Branch for a while, and then I got offered the job for the director of Office of Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and I've been here ever since. Um, we are a division of MDRS, the Mississippi Department of Rehab Services, and we partner with their VR deaf program. Many, many times we partner with them. Um, yeah. Like during this weather emergencies, people will contact Janae Smith to find out where they need to get interpreting resources. And then also we have a contract with Greg Goldman. And Janae and Greg will team together for MDRS and ODHH. And everything has just been wonderful. It's good to give communication access for the deaf community and to make sure that they get the same information that the hearing individuals get. And right. so they will know what to do as well as the hearing community. Well, I remember when your office, it was I think it was formed in like 1997, because I remember the, legis- the, the um, legislation when it was passed. When you were growing up, let's talk a little bit about when you were growing up, some of the challenges that you faced growing up and, and where you went to school and how you, how you kind of got into doing what you do today. You're right. The office was established in 1977 by the legislature. Excuse me, 1997 by the legislature that was partnered with MDRS right. to set up the ODHH Office for the Deaf Community, almost like a, for education exposure to expose the deaf community and the hearing community. You know, so they will know more about deaf and hard of hearing 
rights and to contact our office so we have resources we can give them so we can do research or let them know who they need to contact and to let them know that we have interpreting services and also interpreters must register with our office to be able to earn money. They register with our office and we will make them an ID card and the interpreter is to carry that card with them everywhere they go. And that's important. That's what that's one of the duties that ODHH does. And about me personally, yeah. uh, my frustrations growing up, I did have some frustrations, yes. But most frustrations were communication access, like captioning, um, going to the doctor's offices and having no interpreting services, or getting services and not having an interpreter, or people not really understanding what I need. Like, for example, if I go to the movie theater and I want to see a movie, you know, a long time ago there was no captioning at all. And it's gotten a little better with technology they have technology they have technology now but you have a little machine you have to use and sometimes they will have it on the movie screen so there's more access today than there was a long time ago but most of my frustration was related to communication access where did you go to college and what did you study um i went to a deaf school in massachusetts and then i went to gallaudet university in washington dc and i majored in social work and then when I came to Mississippi, I worked for Mississippi Department of Rehab Services, and they were you're required to have a master's degree as a VR counselor, so I went to the University of Northern Texas. But I didn't go physically to the campus. I did all of my studies online. And people may wonder, how, do I, how did I do it online? But they gave me wonderful access. They gave me full accessibility. Like if they had something that, was, that I had to hear, they would give me the transcripts for it for me to read. Or... Sometimes they would call an interpreter, and they would pay the interpreter That if we had a video class. And sometimes they would give me videos with captioning. And also we had chat boards where we could chat. They would email me. It, they were just wonderful. And I majored in rehab for my master's. Well, I can understand where your passion comes from, um, definitely. And, I mean, I think that's what makes you very good at what you do today. Let's 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 kind of pivot a little bit and ask about how many how many people in Mississippi are deaf or hard of hearing. I really don't want to give firm numbers, but sure. these statistics came from Gallaudet University. They say approximately ten to twenty thousand deaf people here in Mississippi, but there are different kinds of deafness. Some are signing deaf, some are oral, some. Yeah have a latent deafness, they're hard of hearing. It's, it's a different variety of deafness, so approximately that number. I don't have a specific number, but approximately that amount. I know how incredibly important it is, particularly during times of emergency. Um, tell, you know, you, you touched on some of the things that the office does and, and so forth. Um, talk about, you know, what it's like right now in the middle of something as important as, you know, obviously a pandemic of getting that information out. What are y'all doing differently now that maybe you wouldn't have done a few few months ago? Well, really, our office is doing many different things. We only have three staff members in our office, me, Amy Ainsworth, the staff interpreter, and Kalisha O'Quinn, the administrative assistant for the whole state of Mississippi. But we do, like, community outreach. We do a public awareness. We do advocacy for deaf and hard of hearing individuals' rights. We do communication services. And one of the things one, one of the things that we're doing during the coronavirus is we're given access, equal access for the deaf community. That's why we have a contract with Mr. Goldman. 
so he can interpret for the governor and make sure all the information is provided. And that's a wonderful thing. And yes, this this virus and pandemic has made the way we work differently. You know, we work at home sometimes, and sometimes we will go to the office when needed to check emails and, and contact deaf individuals if they're having a need. Um, some places may have an interpreting need. For example, let, let's say the hospital. They may have an issue with interpreters being able to come into the premises. But also, it's an interpreter's right to say, I don't want to do this assignment because they do not want to get sick. You know, so what they have what they call VRI, Video Remote Interpreting, where they do it on the TV or the computer. So that's a, that's a change that they're doing instead of having live interpreters. You know, we're all also still trying to give out information, and our website is www.odhh.org. Um, we also have a mass email list. If people want to sign up, they'll get the information that we sent out. So that's how we've been doing things. We're making sure to stay in contact with people. Yeah, and you're doing a great job, too. Um, I was just thinking about some of the challenges that you face. And, I, of course, I'll talk to Greg a little bit about some of the challenges he's been facing. But I would think that masks would be very, very problematic for people who read lips, for instance. I mean, there's a lot of things that you never would have expected to be a problem until suddenly you're facing it. Yes, that's true, especially for those who um, mainly read lips. They need to see your mouth to be able to read your lips, so it's difficult for them. And also some people who sign, you know, they prefer to see your mouth, so they know that the facial expressions are very important. That's important for American Sign Language, body language, facial expressions. Now, with a mask, it's hard to tell what the emotion would be that they're trying to convey. And I understand during this time you, you, you need to have a mask, but sometimes they'll take it off if they need to interpret or talk with each other so you can see the face. So they yeah. can get all of the information. How have advances in technology helped the deaf community? Well, really, technology today is so wonderful. It's given the deaf community so much more access than ever before in history. Like the video phone, they can call each other and see each other before they would use a relay service. And you'd have to go through a third party and use a telecommunications device, a TDD. With the video phone, the VP, it's so much easier. It's like real time. And that's a wonderful new technology. And there's more captioning on the TV so deaf people can read it, videos. There's just so much more technology is so much more better than it was before. I think it's a pretty cool that you've been cooperating with the state fire marshal's office, too, on some technology. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, we have given workshops, training with the uh, fire and law enforcement, first responders. We before would have a summit conference. The Mississippi Volunteers Commission, we would partner with them. They had a big, big conference, and we would attend that and give presentations and information about our office, and we partnered with the fire marshal's office, and we decided to provide free um, fire alerts, alarms with, that flashed and also that vibrated. And we worked with the fire marshal's office and also the Vocational Rehab Deaf Program. It was just a wonderful partnership for all of us. And also, what other things the fire marshal may need, if they needed information related to deafness or hard-of-hearing individuals, one of our projects also was with Mississippi Department of Rehab Services to work with deafblind, how to how first responders would respond to deafblind individuals. So we made a little sticker, a reflective sticker to put on their houses. That's something that's in the works. So they would know who how to identify a deafblind individual. And the first responder would use their flashlight and they would say, Oh, okay, this is a deafblind individual's house. I need to change my communication. And we hope that we will continue to work with 
of State Fire Marshal's Office. Well, Ben, thank you so much for all the hard work you do. We're going to keep you on. We're going to take a quick break right now. And when we return, we're going to continue speaking with both Ben Wagoneck and Greg Goldman. If you have any questions or comments for our guests, the phone lines are open. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We've got a couple great guests on today. We've got, we've got Ben Wagoneck, who's the, um, the head of the Office of Death and Hard of Hearing. And, and then, of course, we've got contract interpreter Greg Goldman, who's joining us as well. If you'd like to ask a question or have a comment, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Greg, I guess um, a good place to start is from the very beginning. Where are you from? Well, I grew up in uh, South Jack. Oh, did you? Okay. I'm a So Jack grew up, boy. <laughs> okay. So, you're so Jack, and then, but you spent a little time over in Vicksburg too, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, I spent, uh, I actually graduated from Morris Central. So, yeah, I spent uh, 18, 16, 18 years over there. Okay. You played football, didn't you? I did. I did. Oh, oh, excellent. What position did you play? I was a wide receiver. I mean, like, nice. Yeah. I try to run as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, that way people don't like hit you when you run real fast. That's that's important. On that, um, you so you you um you had Coach Lum as your coach over there then, right? right. Lum, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Well, tell us a little bit how you got into signing because I know you kind of have a family connection. Oh uh, yeah, I was born into the. My father was is deaf and my mother's hearing, so. Uh, it was very confusing growing up for a while, uh, as I had to learn two languages at the same time. Uh, but my mother, she made sure that we communicated with my father. He was my father, so I had to learn to talk to him. So I just learned. We picked it up as we grew up, and uh, that's how I kind of learned sign language. To become the interpreter was a totally different thing. I actually went to college to become a diesel mechanic. I had really? Yeah, I had no thoughts at all about becoming an interpreter. Uh, but then uh, I was working the night shift, midnight shift, and that kind of stuff. And I had young kids. I wanted to be at home. So my father just said, well, go work at the desk school for a little while until you figure out what you want to do. And I was actually a dorm parent for little boys from age four to ten years old. We had about Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a good time. We had fun. I coached uh, the football and the basketball for the elementary teams out there. Had a great time doing that. It's so much fun to watch the deaf kids. They love to play hearing teams. It's an even field. They don't have to hear, and they can beat them. <laughs> and they get so yeah. when they beat hearing people. So, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. And then uh, I had a woman come up and ask me if I would interpret for her at 
Jackson State University, and that's actually where I became actually involved with the church. And okay. On, yeah, from then on, I worked. I worked at the vet school, and then uh, I think it was in '96. Yeah, '96, I joined uh, with the Department of Rehabilitation Services as a staff interpreter. And then in 2005, about six months before Hurricane Katrina, I was promoted up to the state coordinator interpreter for uh, the state. And uh, then Katrina hit, and we actually started where the interpreter is actually beside the governor. Our state actually started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I thought. I, I thought that was the first time I remembered actually seeing that happen, and I thought that well, this is really good because I remember Barber would be doing his press conferences, and and then little did I know that was that was probably you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was me. Short hair, yeah. but that was me. Um, <laughs> See, that's what threw me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that, uh, before they would put us in a little box, a little bubble down at the bottom, yeah. and Def really couldn't see it. Steph had always wanted to be where they could see the speaker and the signer at the same place where they could see who was speaking and how, and actually watch them and see their emotions and make sure the interpreter's emotions are the same way. So that's why we started it that way, because we want to make sure that the deaf got the full aspect of the communication. Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating watching you. And i got to admit, you've kind of become a breakout star on social media. A lot of people are talking about you, and and people are very positive. I mean, they really, I mean, you wouldn't believe how proud people are of you. And, and this, it's like, I've, I've actually seen, well, I've seen George's, but he's nowhere near as good as ours. So, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. How does that feel? I mean, how does that feel to know that, you know, like people are talking about you? Well, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm not, I'm a quiet kind of person. Uh, even yeah. though I don't feel like it on the TV, but I, I am a quiet kind of person. Uh, I, it's kind of overwhelming some. Uh, I go into stores and, uh, you know, people want to take selfies with me or, you know. Or, oh, wow. Yeah, they say, you're the sign guy or you're the guy that does, you're up there, you're the guy, you're the guy. So I get that all the time now where I did before. So it, it, it is a, it is different. Uh, I, but I take it with a grain of salt. I learned a long time ago, you take a positive and a negative and you just throw them out the window. That, that way right. you just stay level. And, I think uh, that's pretty good advice hard. for all of us right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, because I'm just up there doing a job. I'm, just, I'm, I'm actually just like a tool in the process is what I am. I'm just, I yeah. just make sure those, uh, those that need it get the full information that they're getting. Well, I don't think a lot of people understand that the whole press conference, for instance, with the governor, they've totally changed how that's done because of the virus for safety reasons. I mean, you're exposed every day now because you're standing up there, but – you know, MPB is now doing the video feed, so they're doing that. And so you're not standing right next to the governor when you're doing it. You're actually over over in a corner, and they shoot you, and then they put you in a, up right next to the governor. So like you said, that people can see. Because, I mean, signing is fascinating. I mean, not only are you doing the, the hand gestures that, that is the language, but, I mean, your body and your emotions and everything else gives – it's like nonverbal communication for us talking. And – you know, so you've got to be able to have that there, but you have to be able to do it safely. I mean, talk about that process because it's it's so much different than it was after Katrina, and you're just standing right next to Haley Barber. Right. Uh, well, you know, in the beginning we were kind of trying to keep as much social distance as we could. Uh, 
And I think one day I had a little cough come up, and then uh, I think Director Michelle had a little sneeze or a cough come up at the same time. And then the next day we were put in this little box. So I, th- I think we had found out that everybody just wanted to be a little bit more safe at that point. But, yeah, you know, even during in hurricanes and stuff, uh, interpreters get put in danger all the time. I mean, we can go into sure. and get put in danger. I mean, you just never know what's happening in an emergency room when we get put in there. Um, but, yeah, you, you're always – you have that aspect to it. But the – the will to make sure that the deaf people get what they need is makes you overcome that fear, I guess I would say. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, what a huge service that you're doing. Um, yeah, I, just to bounce back to football for a half second, when I played football, I was a defensive end and our nose tackle up right in front of the center was a, a friend of mine who I'm still friends with named Eric McDuffie. And Eric was deaf from birth. And um, he was our like super weapon because if the ball, if he jumped, if he moved, the ball moved because he couldn't hear the signal. So he never got thrown off whenever the signal was. And I mean, I just was like, that was so cool. But I learned so much about what you do from him that just when I was sitting there watching you, I just realized you're really good. I mean, is this something just, I mean, you, like I said, you had to learn it because of your dad. You've been signing pretty much since you can remember, right? It's just about, yeah, my mom said about two years old, we started picking it up. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it, you have to work at it. You really do. You have to train yourself. I mean, a lot of it is a lot, a lot of God-given talent. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, yeah. But you, you do have to work at it. But, you know, the language is such an evolving and interesting language because, like you said, it's the signs, the body, the emotions on your face. Like, all that goes together. Because the signs are only 10% of the language, so 90% is coming from your face and your body. So if you're just stalemate on your body and you're just up there robotically throwing signs out, you're only getting the people 10% of the communication. So right. A lot of that's lost. But, you know, going back to football and, you know, coaching the deaf kids, that was the one thing that would make me crazy when we jumped offside because I was like, you have to look at the ball. <laughs> You cannot jump off that high. But it was fun when we would hike the ball because we did silent hikes. And, you know, our little quarterback would get under the quarter, under the center, and he would just pat him on the butt with his top hand, and the ball would go. And the hearing kids stand up, and they're like, he didn't say hutch. You know, we're running down the field going to get for a touchdown. So, you know, it, it, we did our – we took our advantages when we could. You know, everybody does. But the uh, the language – you know, what was really good, especially in football or basketball, is I, I didn't really have to have them huddled. I could sit there and just throw them, throw them out there and sign and tell them what to do. So that was, that was what the best part of that was. But, uh, you, you know, deaf people have always been fascinating to me. Uh, even when I was a kid, I would, like, try to mimic their deaf voices, as we call them. I mean, my father has one. Amy and uh, her parents had one. So, we, you know, as CODAs, that's what we call ourselves, children of deaf adults. As we got together and they did picnics and uh, they did softball, basketball tournaments, we'd have to go through everything like that. So we got to grow up around awesome kind of exposure to the culture. And a lot of that culture is losing today because of mainstream and because of your technology as well. So, But we got to grow up in that kind of time where the storytelling was awesome because they would use their expressions and you could get it all out. It was awesome. It really was. Well, you talk about the, the changing the language and how do you, you know, you have to, when new terminology and new words, and I mean, I'm thinking about this whole coronavirus thing. I've learned 
all kinds of new terms that I never thought I'd ever hear. How do you come up with new signs? Is there like some, you know, international body that comes up with them? Or, I mean, or do you have to improvise on the fly? Or how does that work when you have to come up with coronavirus, for instance, and, and right. you know, COVID-19? And how do you come up with, with new gestures that say that? Right. Well, uh, you know, at first you just kind of wing it. You're kind of, you know, language is so conceptual as it is, so you're kind of looking for conceptual thoughts to give it out to what the meaning is beside the, behind the word. So, you know, at first you're trying to make sure you're just conceptually getting it out there, but later that the deaf get aware of it, they've come up with the signs for it, and then you have an international website, and it all goes across that, and so every state knows that that's going to be the main sign for that you know coronavirus sort of looks like putting a lid on a jar regularly in which you were signing but because it looks like a crown in the in yeah. the magnifying glass that's why we do it like that uh but most of the time we say cv19 instead of spelling covid19 we just say cv19 which is easier that's a lot easier uh so you get those kind of things that come up later uh, but during the first part of it, you're just kind of winging it, making sure that you're getting the conception out there that's supposed to go, what they're actually talking about. Like we can, uh, like uh, immune systems, you know, we just say weak health. You know, <laughs> there's, yeah. I, I'd, spell, I'd be spelling 90% of what I had to do up there if I didn't try to change it into a conceptual sign language. How does how does the process work? I mean, can you actually see the governor and, and hear the governor when you're doing it, or do you ha you yeah. do have somebody there that kind of helps you get the information, don't you, during yeah. his press conferences? Yeah, I like I said they've got me kind of over there to the side of them. I, I can see them that way. I know, like if he gives it off to Dr. Dobbs, I know when when I turn to the left, that means I, the deaf people know that that's Dr. Dobbs is speaking now. And, when he has Director Michelle on the right, he turns to him to speak, and I go to the right. They know it's from yeah. Director Michelle. So that's part of the process. Uh, but, yeah, I do have a, a partner, Denae Smith. She has to sit on the outside of the cameras, and she's listening, and she's also watching me to make sure that I'm giving out all the information that is most important at that point in time. Uh, if I miss something, she'll feed it to me. Uh Especially like during hurricanes, when they start doing tonnage of damage and tonnage of this and tonnage yeah. of that, quantities, especially like during the flood, when they do quantities of water going, how many metric <laughs> meters of water, you know, and I'm sitting there going, I didn't do math, I didn't I do math. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she, and she's sitting there making sure that I'm actually giving something out that's correct, and I'm also, she's there to feed me if I'm not, if I've missed something or I haven't heard what, like a reporter in the back ended to say. She may start signing to me, and so then I start signing the question. So that's part of the process. But actually, in the mind, it, it's such a quick process. I mean, I'm hearing it, and I'm throwing it out simultaneously almost. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe two or three words, maybe not even that much sometimes behind the governor. It's got to be that instant at that point in time because they flip and flop, especially when reporters start asking questions and then they'll back that question i got another question and so it's and then they flip a flop between the speakers and so you're trying to make sure you're keeping up and so you don't have so far of a lag time yeah i know i was just thinking about that when i was talking to ben you know here i was talking through amy and i was asking very convoluted questions all over the map and i was just thinking if amy ever sees me she's going to smack me because i mean i could see how that would be hard 
if somebody asks you a rambling question or somebody asks a rambling question, you're trying to like, okay, trying to, to keep up and trying to, but I would say at the end of the day, um, and if anybody's ever tried to learn a language, you know, there comes a point when you go from thinking, oh, this say this is Spanish is guato and that means cat, you know, instead of you're just instantaneously, it's almost amazing how fast you can become nonverbal with that. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up next is um, we're going to continue our conversation with Ben Wagonneck and, of course, um, and contract interpreter Greg Goldman. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, with Mississippi Today. Today, we've gotten a behind-the-scenes look into the world of professional sign language interpreters with Ben Wagoneck, and director of, of the Office of Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and professional interpreter Greg Goldman. Of course, if you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Um, but this is to both of you. I mean, whichever one wants to answer, I'd say probably Greg. But uh, interpreters are everywhere in Mississippi, including hospitals, doctors' offices, and courtrooms now, and a very vital part of the deaf community. Greg, I was just going to ask how the process worked. I mean, you're a contract guy. Um, do you just sit by the – you have, a, like, a calendar, and you keep up, and you say – you wait for the phone call, and you say, yes, I can come do this, that, and the other, and do you travel all around the state? Yeah, uh, there are some places that I have contracts with, uh, like Office of Death and Heart and Hearing, and some other places, uh, clinics, doctor's office, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I basically just wait by the phone and hope somebody calls at some point in time. And <laughs> I have a calendar, and, yes, I do drive I drive all over the state. I, I put 500,000 miles on a Jeep Wrangler in 2009, Jeep Wrangler. Wow. Yeah, I go everywhere. Uh, I've done courts. I've done... I've done everything you can do with deaf people except birth babies with So, what? You know, it's the day's young. You might get that call by the end of the day. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that I would say that you've um, you're they're probably keeping you pretty busy these days. And I, I saw you were over in Vicksburg with with Mayor Flags not long ago. So, so you're doing more than just with the governor, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, you know. I, I just go for the governor for maybe about an hour or so, hour and a half. Uh, the other times I'm running to doctor's offices or I'm going to courts or, you know, other kind of stuff like that. So, you know, uh, at one point in time in my career, I, I said that uh, I, I went to a drug rehab and interpreted for a crackhead. And that afternoon I went and interpreted for Al Gore, a vice president, that came and opened up the medical mall. So in one day I went from a crackhead to a vice president. So I've never had that happen before. That's a pretty 
pretty pretty wide sprint swing thankfully i mean i'm glad it's not the same thing but um that is a huge wide swing and i gotta tell you i i don't know if you ever sit and watch other interpreters and from around other press conferences and so forth and i was watching the new york uh mayor's press conference i think it was yesterday today or today i forgot when it was i was watching it their interpreter i swear to god looks like he could be your clone <laughs> I mean, he is totally, I mean, he must have been watching you and he totally has ripped you off. So he's got the same haircut and same shirt. So I was just like, because I thought, how did Greg get up there? And then I looked a little bit closer and it was not you. So I just want to let you know that there are people around the country now ripping you off. Okay, well, that's good. You know, what they say, mimicking is the best form of complimentary. So there you go. Uh, And, and, you know, next uh, thing you know, you'll end up in a cartoon, right? Yeah, and I love, that was best thing i have never been in a cartoon that was the best thing that ever happened in my life i'll tell you the truth uh it really was uh <laughs> we uh we have to wear black or we have to wear contrasting colors so uh, black especially on the tv shows up yeah. better with the contrast so that's why i'm always in black on the tv uh people a lot of people think i'm in i'm a goth or a very depressed person you know, especially if there's a if there's a team of us, it's not like three or four of us walking around and we're all in black. And people are like, "What are y'all, the mortuary group, or the Adams family? Which are y'all?" You know, but we get that kind of stuff a lot. But uh, it's it's okay. It's all right. We we love the mimicking, and you know, we get that kind of stuff all the time. I've had speakers try to mess me up, and you know, throw in you know uh, how much Chuck Wood could it would Chuck or Chuck. You know, and oh. I just go ahead and do it. <laughs> you know, and they're like, "How did you do that?" I was like, it was very easy. You two signs. I don't have to do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, number one, it sounds like you have a great sense of humor, and that doesn't hurt, right? Oh yeah, you got to have in this in this form of business. You better have a sense of humor and some thick skin, or you won't last long at all. Well, let me let me throw a question to Ben real quick. Um, ben, as this pandemic uh goes on do you feel like what what challenges do you feel like that your department's going to have to add people you're going to have to find people what challenges do you foresee um challenges that i foresee is we will need to continue to give out information you know we will also work from home and from the office and make sure that the deaf individuals get the information that they need and make sure there's interpreters provided, that they have the communication access. You know, that's a continuing challenge all the time. Right. There's really no new challenges, but you you never know what's going to happen in the future. Just it, it's, an import, it's important to have interpreters and that they continue to do their job and that we, that our office will continue to educate ourselves and others when new things arise. We don't have any big changes yet, right? And I'm I'm hoping everything will go back to normal. So mm-hmm. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all nodding right now, going "Amen" to that one. Greg, let me let me ask you this: If there's somebody listening right now that that says, you know, uh, this is something I would really like to do, what advice would you give them so that they could follow in your footsteps? Well, first, I'd advise you to find some deaf people in your community, hang out with them, try to learn language that way. Uh, that's the best way to learn it. Uh, and that will that will kind of let you know if you you really really want to do this because it's a commitment, especially if you want to be an interpreter. It's a twenty four hour job, and seven yeah. days a week, three sixty five. You know, I, I rarely take vacation, and when I do, I'm on a vacation. I don't ring my phone. <laughs> I don't call nobody. No, 
everybody knows where I'm at. I just take a vacation. Uh, but yeah, it's a very dedicated life. So I would come to do something like that, find some deaf community, uh, get on the, get on the website, men's website, and they have uh, a lot of community stuff going on. And find it that way. Then you can go to an ITP program, as the interpreter training program. Hey, Greg. Greg, we bumped up against the, the end of the show. I want to thank you, and I want to thank Amy, and I want to thank Ben all for being on the show today. And, of course, I want to thank, you know, of course, Michelle McAdoo for producing it. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit coming up next with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And remember, we'll get through this together. Y'all have a great week. Stay safe.